Hiya guys and welcome back to the Average Pundits podcast, your home of all things Premier League. Uh, we don't have Premier League content to talk about this week. We're focusing on the international break, which has um, been and gone now, thank God. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be a, uh, the, the main kind of focus that we're going to be going on about, our opinions on the international break. The f- kind of football we saw, uh, many from, from from England being played. Um, I don't know how much international football you guys watch. I don't know if you guys are more Premier League based and none of you follow your international sides as well in the breaks. But it's something that we are going to be having a little conversation about. Um, England... Obviously, playing a couple of a uh, couple of games over the over the break, um, Ireland and Belgium, Ireland and Belgium, uh, not the most fruitful games. Um, as always, I am joined by Reese. Um, Reese, we'll kick this off straight away. Did you watch much of England over the international break? I didn't watch any. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I will put it blatantly. Like, I don't care for all of you patriotics out there. I know that you exist. You love England to your core. Um, you know all that jazz. I just can't get behind it, to be honest. I don't see the obsession with uh, watching England play because the way that all of the managers have played within the friendlies, they're just boring football. I just can't watch it. I don't know about you, but I mean, you're in a household that you know, you know likes football. I'm in a household that doesn't. So you're, you're, you're more inclined to watch it. Whereas like me, me, no, <laughs> I've got no reason to. Well, we're definitely in a very much, very much so a football household, and we we we, we watched um, Ireland in particular. I watched uh, the majority of the Belgium game. Um, I know it was watched by everyone in the house, um, and you know, there were there were there were there were good there were benefits and positives. You know, if we're talking strictly from a fan of English football, um, against Ireland, we got to see you know um, some some dominant displays on the pitch. Harry Maguire had a, had an excellent game for England in that game, surprisingly. <laughs> no, it was awesome to see, mate. Very dominant. And then, um, obviously, you know, players like continuing to make appearances, like Dominic Calvert-Lewin, you've got Jack Grealish continuing to make appearances. And obviously playing in the in the second game against Belgium, where we unfortunately did lose 2-0. But Grealish, I'd say, was probably the English star in that game. He was absolutely running all over the shop. So, extremely promising stuff in the midst you know I don't think we've had this much talent in an England team for a very long time but there are still questions there to be asked a lot of questions of Southgate as a manager um, a lot of people call in for maybe Southgate to be moved aside now the magic of the of the World Cup has now been and gone you know and we're approaching our next major competition which should have been this year but we're being forced to play in, um, next year hopefully when you know, um, fans can go back to stadiums and we can start to be getting a bit more hype around these competitions. Uh, but the Euros is always a highly, highly competitive competition in, in world football. Based on all the football which I saw being played over the break, I feel like there's work to do. There's work to do in my perspective as an England fan. Um, but, you know, just, just talking about Strictly with England isn't everything that we're going to be going on about in this. We're going to be talking about our opinions of the international break, um, the benefits and the negatives of it. Um, Reese, I'm sure we'll be able to find a few negatives. I mean, I'll, I'll kick one right off now for you, possibly. Maybe seeing some of your players get injured or pick up more injuries. I mean, do you have any left at this rate? Um, I think we've got the kit man and some, <laughs> and some like second grade player called Roberto Firmino, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if our academy players are still bummed out after the, uh, after the international break. Um, our entire back line. In all serious though, our entire back line is gone. Um, I mean, we're going to be relying on James Milner to play centre back at this point, um, because uh, Reese Williams 
the best Liverpool player alive is uh, is not going to be uh, you know in the starting lineup uh, for much too longer. I think as soon as Fabinho comes back, it's going to be great. But international break just spells injury trouble, doesn't it? Like you're always fearing that at club level that your players are going to be called back. I mean. I have one negative that I want to bring up soon, and, and I won't go into that in too much detail, but especially in a time like 2020, why are we going all, of, all around the countries you know, on planes and stuff as a 23-man squad in a climate like now playing pointless international games? Yeah, well, that's another big point, isn't it? Because it's not just injuries people are picking up. There's, there's positive COVID tests as well, which have come about. We have seen that. Um, which is obviously spelling more and more worries because although the players, you know, they, 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 it may be like a dormant COVID, obviously they're getting tested before every game and they may feel absolutely fine. But the second that positive test comes out, they've got to start isolating in accordance with the rules, which they should be doing. But it just means more and more turmoil on, on, on the players, doesn't it? I mean, more and more turmoil on the clubs and, and not having the people to go out and turn out for match days, like we're seeing at Liverpool at the moment. I mean, it's slightly almost, almost comical how many injuries have just come one after the other because it's getting to the stage now where it's like if I saw it online I would, I would think someone was making it up I was like oh my god is this picking off the whole team genuinely it's like um, you know when you're in year 8 and you're finally able to discover an ICT where you can change the text within the code on the Sky Sports website and you can fool your <laughs> friends it's like that oh Trent Alexander-Arnold's injured oh uh, yeah, Andy Robertson's injured uh, it was just blow after blow. I think as soon as Virgil van Dijk got injured against Everton, it was blow after blow after blow. Uh, I mean, Gomez picked up an injury as well. Um, you know, Salah came back with a positive COVID test. Um, who knows what else is going to be spelling, you know, at least. I mean, we'll come on to positives in a second, but, you know, the, the, the international break is over for the time being. So let's just be thankful that no one else is potentially going to be getting injured um but it does spell it's just it's very deflating the international break there's not a lot of news going around apart from injuries and covid yeah that's that's kind of the situation we're at the moment and one of the other massive problems which i think about it as well i mean it doesn't it gets mentioned but i don't think it really hits home for some people that the football calendar for these players i mean especially like the top six in england the amount of football these guys are playing and also that they're, they're keeping up to a standard where they're getting picked for international duty as well. They are honestly absolutely run ragged over like, such a short period of time. I mean, everyone knows the, the winter football period running through to new year is a very busy time. I mean, obviously you've got um, January transfers coming in around the January window, but before that, it's just solid football being played all around the clock. I mean, European football, domestic football, league football, international, it, it gets to the stage where how much is too much for these guys? Because, you know, they are, it's, it is their job. They are athletes and they certainly get paid the, uh, a, a hefty fee for, for going out and doing this kind of thing. But they are human at the end of the day. And in order to get the most out of these guys, maybe sometimes they do need to be cut a bit of slack. I mean, I don't know what you think. In terms of the football calendar, would striking international breaks altogether save football and make football more interesting? I mean, I think that it would add a lot less to the football calendar that we don't need. There's a lot of dead weight, I think, in the footballing calendar. Um, you know, the Community Shield is kind of one. I, I mean, it does raise money for charity and I, I understand that aspect of it. 
but I think that there are some aspects of the game that just don't need to be played as much. Um, an international break to that, I mean, yeah, for a player representing your country is one of the like proudest moments of your career like for, for some players because they might not get to be at the level of you know, winning the Champions League for, for players that are in other domestic leagues. Um, playing for you know, their, their home, home nation is something to be really proud of. But I, I, I think that it does kind of sound selfish when us domestic you know, Premier League fans say scrap it because that does take away from those players and their hopes and dreams for playing for their country. Um, but in terms of the fans, it's just not interesting. And I don't know whether that's just for England's point of view. I know that the Belgian fans and oh, the Iceland fans and you know they have a lot of pride in their in their football teams. Whereas England, when it comes to international breaks, we don't really care. Uh, I, th- I don't know whether it's just the brand of football that we play, but until the tournaments come, we don't really want to know. Well, I mean. This international break was was quite significant in the sense that it meant obviously the, the Nations League got established as a, a, just another competition to add into the mix to make the friendlies more interesting. But we've now failed to qualify for that. Um, I believe it's Belgium and Denmark, isn't it, who have gone who've gone ahead and, and we're left in the dust. Who cares? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's just another competition. I mean, it, that's the thesis. <laughs> there we go. I mean, it's the Euros and the World Cup. Those are the the pinnacles aren't they i mean the world cup is it depends on what your standards are really isn't it in terms of the tiers of the best achievements in football you've got some people who would say the world cup some people who would probably say the champions league some people would say probably the prem you've got other people which would probably say just standalone achievement like oh yeah it's ballon d'or ballon d'or ballon d'or that's the kind of thing that footballers should be attaining to um i think it's definitely a matter of up to opinion i think that the euros again europe is where the best football in the world is played is 100% where the best football in the, in the world is played. But obviously, one of the best footballers of all time, if not the best of all time, Lionel Messi plays in Argentina. He's out of that competition. Uh, he goes over and plays the Copa America, which is definitely a lesser competition when comparing to the Euros. But even the Euros, like I said, is still such a significant competition of actual talented players. But the real thing is, do the fans now care as much about their international football in England, as they used to do back when, you know, there, there, there was a lot more passion, wasn't there? There was a lot more drive. The, the 2018 World Cup was the most passionate I've ever seen in my lifetime uh, England fans get behind, you know? And, you know, we've seen passion at every World Cup in Euros, but the 2018 World Cup, it was, you know, there was a dream there. There was a real dream. And then after it all kind of came cascading down, everyone kind of woke up again. And I don't know. It's, I don't know if the Euros are going to provide that same kind of magic. Maybe they won't. Maybe they will. Looking back at 2018 in the World Cup, it was just magic. Like you sort of get, kind of get chills. Like I'm getting chills now just thinking about being in the pub singing the songs. Like I don't want to go home and stuff like that. Like you, it's it's it, it's a feeling like you no know like that World Cup. I think it was like you always remember your first World Cup when you just become of that age where you're just like, oh wow, this is amazing. Uh, maybe it was to do with the you know consumption of something uh, in the pubs, uh, but uh, I, I don't think the Euros. Is, I th- it, you know, when you do play the Euros, you are missing those key teams. You you are missing Lionel Messi. You are missing Brazil and and Neymar 
and and all those sorts of players. You are missing other key teams outside of that. You also miss like the the magic of teams like Japan, uh, you know, doing well, and and, and teams like you know, Uruguay and Ghana. The story of Ghana in the 2010 World Cup. You miss those stories in the European competitions, and I think that the last European competition didn't really do it for us either. I mean, it was just disappointment for England. I think that we've become accustomed to so much disappointment as England fans. And the longer and the longer that England stray, like, stray away from the last time we won something, the more and more England fans think, okay, we're not going to do anything for the rest of our lifetimes. But the 2018 one was where we're like, okay, we might be able to do this. We might be able to do this. We might actually win something in our lifetime. And I think that dream's kind of slowly died down and we're back to where we were before that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the 2018 World Cup, without a doubt, was the most talented group of players we had in a while. And I think the England team has got even more talented since then. The amount of youngsters coming through the system now is absolutely obscene. And the amount of players who, frankly, although they're not going to get a shout either. They're not going to be selected because we've got so much talent. You know, it's obvious down to, to the opinion of the manager and the, and, and, and the staff behind him. But there's a lot of players which will miss out on going to, to the Euros. And that is a real shame. But going back to the World Cup, I remember exactly where I was when we lost that semi-final. I think everyone will. And the feeling of disappointment is it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy because it's just like, you know, you, you, follow, you, you follow the whole story. It wasn't, we weren't always playing the best football, but we were getting the results and, and we somehow got to that position. And then it's like, okay, the free kick goes in and pint, pints are flying. Everyone knows you know, it's coming home and then all of a sudden it comes cascading down and this the disappointment, isn't it? It's, 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 the, it's the lingering for, for so long now. Um, but obviously, major competitions, international break, very different story. Yeah. When it comes to the major competitions, everyone's like, okay, you know, there's a lot more to watch, but it's the, the pesky things of the international break breaking up proper club football, proper Premier League football, the best league on the planet, that's, that's the frustrating bit. Um, I'd say almost a bit like a Room 101 thing. Would you, would you do away with it completely? Would you have a designated period every year where the international football's played, just one? Because rather than a few, or, you know, how would you deal with the international teams needing to get game time? I think just run scrimmages. I mean, like, the games, yeah, they're played, um, you know, they're playing through the Premier League. But build team chemistry with scrimmages. Um, you know, you don't see, uh, 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 you know, for those that know, know my outside preferences of football other than you know, the sports, you know, basketball, they run scrimmages every practice to gain team chemistry on the court. They, they, in football, they don't do that as much. Play more 11 aside games inside the training to build more chemistry with different combinations, uh, more training sessions instead of risking the game, you know, the players. You know, they, they play every single week domestically. So then they're going to be fit no matter what if you select the right players that are in the right form. You know, where, you know, England managers are guilty for not doing that. Let's be honest. They are guilty for picking Jack Wilshire when they really shouldn't do. They have been. And picking certain players when they are not in form. But I think, I think you know, more, you know, you know, just small five versus five games, building team chemistry at the training ground. I know that training grounds and match experience are different things, 
but it still helps. Like team chemistry is, is half the work. And then you've got the talent there. I mean, England, as you say, we've got arguably the best England team that we have since maybe, what, the mid-90s when Shearer and all of those were around. Uh, we have one of the most unbelievable teams. Arguably, we, could, we, we had a really, like, one of the best teams in the mid-2000s with Gerard Lampard and Scholes as one of our best midfields ever. And it's all about that team chemistry because they, those, the, the, that team didn't get along. Whereas this team, they, they're all flying together and they're all happy. I think the more that team chemistry is built, the less that we're going to have to play these pointless international friendlies or the, what's it called? The Challengers Cup? The National Challengers Cup? I don't even know. That's how much I don't care about it. <laughs> uh, one other conversation, which is definitely coming back at the moment, we, we briefly touched on it, was Gareth Southgate potentially being shown the exit door now. Again, magic of the of the World Cup, you know, the the waistcoat, everyone, everyone loved him, you know. It, I was, was this close to buying yeah, the probably waistcoat. the most loved man. <laughs> he was probably like the most loved man in the country around that time, arguably. And it's growing to the stage now where a lot of questions are being thrown at his door. And international management and club management are very different. And he hasn't really had that much success at club level, not that much. Um so, but he has found success to some extent at international. If Gareth Southgate was to move on, first part of the question, who comes in as the England manager? That's tough. Second part of the question, where do you think you could see Gareth Southgate going? Is he Premier League caliber? For me personally, I'm not too sure. No. What do you think? First, firstly, let me where, do you, where do you think about um, who could come in as the England manager? I don't know. There is no, like when we think of English born managers, who are we going to put in? Steve Bruce. <laughs> like, what? No, no. Like, trying to think of top English managers in, like, inside of the Premier League. Who? Uh, well, that's, that's an argument, though, isn't it? Is it going to be necessarily an English manager? Are we going to go down like, the Capella route? Are we going to go and get, you know, Super Sven back in? <laughs> I think. Um, one name which has been thrown around a lot um, amongst people that I've been talking to, obviously it doesn't make too much sense right now, but a lot of people that I have been speaking to would love to see Mourinho take a crack at the England job, which I, I heard him out. I heard him out because <laughs> obviously right now, I didn't think Mourinho would get another Premier League job in his career. I did, did not expect to see him at Tottenham. So that was very much a surprise. It all happened very fast. Um, and I thought the next, the natural next step for him would be to try and do some international management. And instantly, you know, it's, you're very guilty of it, aren't you? You're thinking a Portuguese manager is going to go manage Portugal. You're going to think, oh, English manager is going to go manage England. But it doesn't always happen. You know, it, it, quite often it doesn't happen. So Jose Mourinho managing, you know, it, the country of where he has played his arguably his best football in his career as, as a manager, you say he's got the most out of his teams. I could see it. I could genuinely see it. I couldn't see it in the first time, but I could see it then. Another name that I've heard, um, you know, why not get Arsene Wenger out, throw Wenger in, in amongst it, get, get the big coat on. <laughs> um, if you're saying that, why don't we just pull Sir Alex out of retirement? He's from Scotland. So, I mean, why, it's the closest thing that we've got to a world-class manager. Scotland are doing better than us anyway. So you may as well go stick to Scotland. Yeah, they're, doing, they're doing great. <laughs> exactly. But like, that's the type of thing that we're on about. Like, I think we missed the boat. I think international duty 
as a manager is probably easier than club level, as we might, you know, as we've said. So I think that if Sir Alex retired to get a bit more peace, he's going to have a bit more peace because he's going to have extended breaks in the in in two summers, and then he's just got to focus on the Euros and the World Cup, which is easy pickings. He's got a free holiday to Qatar. It's not that go. bad. <laughs> there we go. I mean, it's, it, it is a very very difficult conversation because. I mean, I remember not too long ago, you know, everyone was raving about Eddie Howe, weren't they? And saying, oh, Eddie Howe for the, for the England job. And he, he's, he's currently out of work, isn't he? I mean, he, he'll be looking for something. So you never know. Big Eddie might get the call. That would Absolutely be like the most, that would be the most typical thing for me. Jamie, if Southgate did step aside or he was moved on or whatever, I mean, the hype around that particular camp, however big or small it was around the time, it's completely died down now. But isn't that the most typical thing? You just see, oh, all of a sudden, Eddie Howe appointed. Just, oh, just, just stick Allegri in the role. Last time we had an Italian manager, it was horrid. But bring Allegri in, it's fine. Yeah, everyone, everyone always says the second Italian manager, you get into the best, don't they? Exactly. Oh, that's, that's, the that's, that's the common phrase, people. I can't <laughs> believe that everyone's missing that. Uh, okay, so that, 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 that was part one of that. It was a difficult question. If you guys have any opinions, please get involved. Leave a comment down below or get a hold of us on our social media yeah, what do you guys um, think of, of who's going to be the next manager because I, I well we don't quite frankly do not have a clue so if you if you guys have an idea of, of who's, who's who's going to be the next england manager uh make sure to whack it in the comments or if you're watching or listening on uh, on your streaming services tweet us direct messages we love it the second part um southgate's potential next destination i already said do we feel he's Premier League caliber? And we're both a bit like, mm, maybe not. So is he, what is he, championship? Does he take an extended break? Does he go elsewhere? You know, because when you are an ex-international manager, and especially of a club as, what, a nation as prestigious as England, there's going to be opportunities out there for you. you just got to go and find them, haven't you? So uh, where does he go? I mean, there's nothing wrong with going and settling in the championship and trying to make a name for himself at club level, I, I think. I think that would be a perfectly fine option. This managerial appointment stinks of a uh, you know European job. I don't think he's cut out to go for the England jobs because there's too many top quality managers. Uh, the Premier League's full of them. I think the only clubs that in England that he would want to go to because he's the England manager are Premier League clubs. I think that he's going to hold himself uh, in some sort of light. And I don't think any Premier League club will take him on because they are happy with who they are with currently. Uh, I think the only Championship teams that he would even remotely uh, agree to, to, to sign with maybe Watford, you know, the three teams that got relegated last season, bar Norwich maybe because they are not very great. Um, he might take the Fulham job. The Fulham job could be, um, could be up for grabs soon. I'll tell you what, that, that, that again, that just sounds very, now that you've said that, that's just like clicked in my head. It's like, oh wow, all of a sudden you see Scott Parker leaving all of a sudden, bang, Southgate, like just straight away. No, no time to even think. You heard it here first people. Gareth Southgate's going to be the first manager appointed of the season after Scott, Scott Park has been fired. <laughs> I can say they've got to shift him from England first, but that's, that's, that's the first thing. I mean, the conversation, well, one of the other talking points is, is his job even in jeopardy for England? Because there's been a lot of mediocre results since the World Cup. I mean, are England going to be happy with him and they're going to try and move him along? I mean, past trends would suggest they're just going to sit there and be happy with him until it's literally inexcusable. But now it's maybe maybe some questions are arising, but that's something which is going to come about in time. But uh, please, as, I mean, as, as we mentioned, get in contact with us about the international break. It's something that 
I feel it divides a lot of fans. I think a lot of fans have a lot of opinions on them, especially fans of the best calibre of football. Give, uh, give Southgate a brolly and then we can start hammering him in the media as the Wally with the brolly 2.0. Um, yeah, let's, just, let's just keep that on. <laughs> the Wally, uh, what an obscure reference. <laughs> uh, but then, then again, <laughs> there we go. But if you guys are interested um, in coming on the podcast, you can get a hold of us at theaveragepenancetoutlook.com. We're always looking for potential collaborations, getting people on. Um, if you want to share this podcast as well, please do go onto our social media. We're on um, Twitter at Pundits Average or on Instagram at The Average Pundits. We're on Facebook also at The Average Pundits and we're available on all your streaming services. And most importantly, if you are watching this as well, there's a subscribe button below. Please go and subscribe. You know, we're doing quite well at the moment. We'll subscribe again in a few steady ones. Um, and then also one final point to mention, um, the fundraising here and there, you know, we, but both, both sides, we're, we're still going on with the fundraising right now. Um, both of us are still, you know, Reese still cycling and me still running. I've got the, the mustache going. Reese has got some, you got one? Uh, yeah. Okay. And Reese got a mustache as well. Um, and um, yeah, there we go guys. You know, if you've got any spare pounds, it, it does help an awful lot. Just to remind you, we are donating to mind uh, the mental health charity which do a lot of absolutely, you know, crucial work, especially, you know, second lockdown, a lot of people will be struggling and a lot of people could use that extra help in hand. So if you have any spare pounds, they're going, they're going straight to a good call. So it would mean an awful lot. Thank you guys. Um, but as always, Reese, thank you very much for joining me on a Premier League-esque, Premier League tangent episode today, but we'll be, we will be back talking about Premier League very soon, won't we? Hashtag international breakout. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it, it, it's a tr- yeah. I th- I do I do think that friendlies need to go. I think the Nations Cup needs to go. Um, just stick with the tournaments. Just stick with the tournaments. Uh, I'm very interested to see what everyone in the comments or on social media has to say uh, about uh, our opinions and also what their opinions are as well. And as Joe said, please donate if you have spare change lying around. Uh, mental health is something that is you know it affects everyone. Uh, especially as lockdown 1.0 uh, showed with with a lot of people. So um, if, if you can just help out even just a small amount, uh, that would be, uh, me and Joe will be very grateful nonetheless. That we will indeed. Thank you very much guys for joining us and we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>